Today what we're going to do is we're going to begin this new sermon series entitled uh, Faith. And uh, faith is just, there's a lot to it, right? I mean, when we, when we hear the word faith, uh, it can mean a lot of different things. And so it, this entire month of October is going to be devoted to the topic, and we're going to look at faith in a bunch of different views, viewpoints, I guess I could say, in order for you to be encouraged in your faith. My, my prayer for the month of October is that by the time October ends, your entire perspective on the circumstances you face in life are different because of the increase that has taken place within the faith of your heart. That sound good? Let's begin our journey then today. Matthew chapter 21. Again, notes are on the church app, by the way, in case you want to follow along there. Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verses 21 through 22. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, grow, throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you will believe, I'm sorry, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So obviously we just covered this topic in Mark, right? This is Jesus curses the fig tree. The disciples come back. They see the fig tree and they're shocked. And Jesus says, listen, like, greater things than this fig tree dying you will see if you have faith. We just sang about it, right? You make mountains move. You make giants fall. Jesus says, if you have faith, you can say to this mountain, be tossed into the sea, and it will happen. The other thing that we sometimes often forget about faith, though, and Jesus says it right here in verse 22, if you believe you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. People like to talk a lot about faith. I have faith, I have faith, I have faith. But the issue is oftentimes that faith doesn't get connected with prayer. Um, now listen, I, I, you know, as I was writing my sermon, I, I came up with this illustration in my head, and I was like, this isn't a great illustration for the town of Bethel because this happened. But it's just the truth. Um, Nobody would get mad at a fire department for not showing up if you never call 911. It's not their fault. If you don't communicate to the fire department, hey, there's a fire here, you need to come help us and put it out, when they don't show up, it's not their fault. And yet, oftentimes, what happens is we have these problems come and yeah, we believe that Jesus can do something about it, but we, don't, we never stop and take the time to come to Jesus and say, I have this problem and I need you to fix it. I think part of the problem with that is like we are just prideful people and we think that we, we have control and we think that we can handle things often on our own. I mean, anybody else here like this? Like, I, we, I've, I have readily admitted I have a control problem. Okay? Now, I'm, I'm getting better. Like, I, I am. I'm getting better. But I, I readily can admit that. But Jesus has said that we are to bring him our trials, our temptations, our difficulties, our circumstances. And if we believe and we bring it to him in prayer. His word says that we will receive it. A couple weeks ago, we did a series on his victory is my victory. And the main 
premise of that entire series was really focusing on the God level of God's strength and God's power and God's authority and ability. Uh, This sermon series breaks it down into your personal level. So we've talked about how God can, and this is really all about believing that he will. That's what this entire sermon series is about. You know, if you go back, go back to the, uh, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or their proper Hebrew names, Daniel, Hanani- I'm sorry, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah in the book of Daniel. That's why I did that. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. When they're standing uh, before the king who says, we're going to throw you into this fiery furnace, they said, our God can save us. Now there's faith in that, right? There's faith to say our God can But then they say, our God will save us. That's an even greater step of faith, right? And then they say, but even if he does not, well, that's an even greater step of faith. Why? Because they believe that their God knows what's best and they're willing to submit to it. So we're going to talk about faith in this sermon series. And, you know, Hebrews 11.1 puts faith very simply, and this is what it says, Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. It doesn't take faith to believe that, I mean, let's just be real. It doesn't take faith every Sunday for me to walk up here and walk across this platform because I've done it for so many weeks, right? It's been five and a half years now of me just walking across. I know the platform is going to hold me. At this point, it's just a matter of fact. I know it's going to happen, right? Faith is assurance of what we hope for and certain of what we can not see. You see, there's an element of faith and all of faith that has to believe in the unseen. You know, in a world that's solely based on the tangible, I don't want to say that anymore. Uh, You know, I, I don't like talking politics, but there's just been this like, ridiculous trend where we don't even want to believe science anymore because not even what we see exists. We can't even trust that, which is why you have politicians coming out and saying things like, you can't actually detect a heartbeat at six weeks. That's just a made-up sound by men so that they control women's bodies. This is literally what somebody has said. Ludicrous, right? We can't even believe what science has made available to us. Faith goes beyond and says, listen, I believe even though I cannot see. Proper faith begins with believing that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for our sins. It takes faith to believe, right? It takes faith to believe that Jesus died on a cross, paid the price for your sins, and he has granted you forgiveness for those sins, And now you're able to walk in freedom from them. That takes faith. It's not like you can see out there and look and see Jesus like wiping things away while you're here on earth. It's not going to happen. It takes faith. But the problem oftentimes is this is where we as Christians leave faith. We, We have faith that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but then we think in our daily life, we're just going to live in control of ourselves, and therefore we're going to be okay because we believe that Jesus has done this for us, so I know where I'm going, but we don't believe that Jesus has full control in my daily life. 
And that changes the way we live. You know, I, I think about my children. Um, that's weird. It's a brand new shirt. It's already got hair on it. Um, I think about my children. Uh, we went for a hike this past Monday up at the edge of Appalachia uh, Nature Preserve. And uh, it's, it's real funny because my kids are so confident when we go on a hike. I mean, extremely confident. I mean, they're just walking through trees. What's funny is this is like the most rugged trail we've ever been on. So there's like grass overhanging. They have to run and walk through this grass. And they have to like part it. But I step foot on this trail with them and they will run ahead with no fear because they know that mom and dad are watching over them as they step foot on that trail. But if my kids walk into a room where there are adults that they should be able to trust, but we as parents are not there, they are for sure timid about that environment because mom and dad aren't there. And see, the problem in life is oftentimes we go through life in fear because we don't have a recognition that Jesus is with us. This past week, we talked about authority. We talked about submission and how submission leads to authority. We talked about how giving our lives wholly to Jesus and surrendering everything we have to him. He taps, he gets authority from the Father to Jesus, and then Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, grants us that authority. But that authority comes through surrender. It comes through surrender and submission. We often see, like, uh, oh man, I gotta be careful here. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there who want to speak like they have authority in the kingdom of God because of their relationship with Jesus, and yet you see them going off and doing their own thing all the time. That's not how it works. The way it works is you live in surrender and you constantly have authority that you don't have to tap into because it's constantly flowing through you. Okay, I've done enough buildup. Matthew chapter 8, we're going to begin in verse 23 today. Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 23. I preached on this story three years ago, almost to the exact day. It was actually the second week in October uh, that I preached this story from the book of Mark. Uh, so I don't like to repeat things. So I'm five and a half years not repeating. I'm going to keep that streak alive. Uh, we're going to go Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 23. And this is very famous passage of scripture. Then he, being Jesus, got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Before we go any further, the first thing we have to understand about this story is the context of the story itself. Because once we understand the context of the storm and the context of where they are and who they are, it becomes a little more accessible and understandable for us that this has great application for our lives. The first thing we're going to look at today is the boat. So, yeah, go ahead, throw up the boat. So this was a typical boat. On, the, on Galilee that would have taken place at this time. 
This is typical boat. So the boat that they're in is probably a little bit bigger, but this is the style. You got a sail. You, you can't see it fully, but there's an oar on the sides so that obviously if there's no wind, they can still row themselves to shore. Uh, the boat probably fit exactly the number of people who were in that boat. You're talking a max of 15. They're probably tapping out around that point. This boat could have been Peter's boat. That doesn't matter. It's just, what matters is that this is the boat that they are in. Um, I don't know about you, but if I were caught in a storm in that boat, I would be terrified. Um, especially looking at modern boats and modern things. I go, okay, like, I, I don't know if for those of you, if you've ever been on a, I don't do TikTok, but I do Instagram reels and stuff. And so there are specific things when it's like when you're in a boat at night in the middle of a storm and the boat's like going like this and Navy people would know this too, just like insane rocking. And like, these are massive ships. I can't imagine this tiny boat in the middle of a storm. The other thing we have to understand about this story is the Sea of Galilee. Now, this isn't as easily pictured, but the Sea of Galilee is this lake that's about seven miles wide and 11 miles long, okay? So Jesus is crossing seven miles. So he hops in the boat at night, crossing seven miles. So the disciples are out on the shore. They hop into this boat, and surrounding the Sea of Galilee are these hills and mountains, okay? These hills and mountains surrounding, surrounding the Sea of Galilee, and so I don't, what's, what's beautiful about uh, parts of Ohio is that I can see when a storm is coming from miles away. You know, when I lived in Lima, there's, there is no terrain. I mean, it is all, I'm just a topographer, it is all just flat. I, I was terrified of tornadoes out there because it's like, if a tornado hits out here, everything's gone. It's just flat. It's nothing. At least out here, we have some hills beginning with Appalachia. Appa, how do you guys, do you say Appalachia or Appalachia? Appalachia, raise your hand. Appalachia, raise your hand. Okay, cool. Good. That's the way I always said it growing up. I'm going back to it. So in Appalachia. So we can still see to a point, right? But what's amazing about weather today is we have these things called phones, and we have these things called televisions and radios, and all we have to do is just open up our weather app and go, oh, it's going to storm here in the next two hours. We can like, we can easily do this. I don't know if you know this about 2,000 years ago. They didn't have that. Not only did they not have that, but they had hills surrounding them on the Sea of Galilee. So the disciples are getting into this small boat. They look out at the sky, and it looks gorgeous. And they think, man, this is going to be a great time to go across the lake. After all, that was the best time of fishing. They were used to it. But they get too far into the lake. It's getting dark. And they begin to sense that something is wrong. They probably feel the pressure change, right? Anybody else feel pressure changes now? You're just like, man, I'm getting old. I have the joints. I get the headaches, all that stuff. They feel this pressure change because this furious storm coming in. And they all probably begin to think to themselves, oh, no. It's about to go down. The other thing you have to remember about this story I mean, there's just so much. I love this because it's just, we've, we've read three verses, right? There's other things you have to know. I just said it. Like, a lot of disciples are fishermen, right? P Peter's a fisherman. This might be his boat. We don't know for sure. But then there's also non-fishermen. There's people like Matthew, who's, who's a tax collector, right? We have men who knew the seas, 
and men who didn't know the seas. Mark is written from the viewpoint of Peter, who knew the seas, who would know storms. And Mark writes that this is a terrifying storm, and they all thought they were going to drown. Matthew is a tax collector who wouldn't know the furious storm, and he was terrified. So I'm going to give you a little hint here. If somebody who does know and somebody who doesn't know are both terrified of the storm, it's probably a terrifying storm right? This boat is inadequate. This storm has blindsided them. They are overwhelmed. They are outmatched. I mean, this is the story that we're talking about today. The other part, and this, is, and this part was crazy as I was researching this, the Sea of Galilee, like you, you think it's not, it's a lake, right? It's just a sea. It's not huge. It's not a lake. It's a sea. It's a sea. It's not huge. It's not the ocean. But because of the, the way of the land and because of the way that storms would come through, the waves could hit up to 20 feet on the Sea of Galilee. And with the strength of this storm, I assure you, they were probably at least 10. And 10-foot waves in that boat is going to put me overboard. And I don't have life jackets 2,000 years ago like I have today. And just like the disciples said, we are going to drown. My question for you today is, have you ever felt overwhelmed, unqualified, outmatched, or blindsided by a circumstance in your life? Because that's where we're at. That's where the disciples are. They feel blindsided. They didn't see this storm coming. They feel, out, they feel overwhelmed. I don't have a clue how we're going to get through this. They're unqualified. Matthew's like, listen, I just want to go take some more money from people. They're outmatched. They don't have the resource in that boat available to actually endure through the storm. Listen, we've all been in this place at some point in our life. I pray that it's less often than more often, right? I pray that in your life you don't feel overwhelmed, outmatched. Like, I pray that that doesn't happen often. But we've all been here at some point in our lives. The disciples thought that moment in their life that they were going to die. That's what they thought. So they come to Jesus, who is sleeping in the boat. And I think oftentimes what we do when we hear Jesus is sleeping in the boat, because, you know, I've, I've read this story and read about Jesus sleeping in the boat, and I thought, well, how bad could the storm have been? If Jesus is sleeping, right? We talk about waves, we talk about rain, we talk about wind. How bad could the storm be? I'm going to flip that for you. How exhausted is Jesus? We love to focus on Jesus's divinity, but this is a moment where we recognize Jesus's humanity. He's been ministering and pouring himself out. And if you've ever seen me, those, of us, those who are my neighbors can tell you, Sunday after church when my wife says, hey, do you want to come hang out outside? And I go sit out there. I normally just sit there with my mouth shut. And I'm like, I just want to go sit on my chair and just watch football or something. I am exhausted. There is something about pouring out your heart and soul and something that you've been preparing for, and then you finally go to do it, and then you're just drained. 
Andy Stanley used to say, you know, like most people, when they think about big presentations they have to make at their work that are going to affect the outcome of their company, uh, these things happen at the most quarterly. They'll have a quarterly meeting that they spend a lot of time on, they prepare for, and then they present it. And when that presentation is done, they're exhausted. He said, but pastors do this 52 times a year on average. Like, when people don't think, like, this is where people don't understand about being a pastor. Like, I come into this with a lot of prayer. I come into this with a lot of preparation. And I believe that what I speak from this pulpit through the authority granted to me through the Holy Spirit has the opportunity to, has the opportunity to transform lives. It's exhausting. Jesus hops in that boat completely drained. And the waves are rocking the boat. The rain is hitting his face. And he is sleeping through it because he is exhausted. You understand, Jesus had unlimited strength because of his divinity. But because of his humanity, he understands when you are exhausted. You know, this pastor, like I, I said um, earlier today, we're on day 13 of children um, vomiting. You know, I think we had, I think we had like three or four days with nothing. So like a kid would vomit for three days and then it'd be good for two and then he'd vomit and then another kid would vomit for two days and then he wouldn't. And then like that's been the last two weeks here for us. And like last, like we, our house, if you can imagine a house with child's children, you know, vomiting all over the place. And when I say all over the place, my kids are very good. Uh, they have my stomach, so they're used to throwing up. Um, so they're, they're very good. We only had one incident that was an issue. But what that ends up becoming, uh, you know, you're talking laundry, you're talking bedding, you're talking things all over the place to be sure that nothing gets worse, right? So my house, as you can imagine right now, is not amazing. I love you, dear. I know you're watching. Um, she actually just texted me and said, my dog can hear me speaking, and he's really mad that I'm not there. <laughs> Stupid Sammy. <laughs> Sit. <laughs> Let me know if he does. Um, but what ends up happening is, you know, we're then, Julie and I, we came in, we worked yesterday to get set up for tomorrow, and we go back uh, home in the afternoon, <clears throat> and we're just basically sitting there, and I said on the way home, I said, listen, like, I recognize that we have to get ready, we have to get our house back put together, you know, we got a party we're going to here soon, and, but I just, I want us to relax, so we get home, and, you know, I, I sit on the couch, and we're like, okay, we're just, we're just going to relax, and she rested, and we go to the party, everything's fine, everything's great, and then halfway through, like, Micah goes, I don't feel good, I'm, well, let's get you home, <coughs> and then he throws up, and I'm just like, I just, you know, at that point, you just want to punch a wall, uh, <coughs> you just want to get something out, but then later that night, Julie and I are sitting together, and she's just like, I'm just so, I don't have anything left right now. And in that moment, you know, you have the opportunity to think one of two ways. One of the ways you have to think is, <sighs> I'm lazy, right? You ever been at the end of your rope and you feel lazy? It's okay to nap. It's okay to sleep. It's okay to rest. 
That's right. If Jesus Christ himself and it is in his exhaustion, in his exhaustion, napping on a boat in a furious storm, I assure you, it's good to rest. Now listen, the other thing about Jesus is he worked hard too. So don't use the fact that you can rest as an excuse to not work hard. You work hard and you rest. It goes both ways. All right. So the disciples go, they wake up Jesus. Why? Because they believe that they need every hand on deck in order to say, stay safe in this storm. So they say, Jesus, <clears throat> we recognize that you're tired, but you got to get up. You got to get a bucket. You got to get this water out of this boat. Like we need to keep this thing afloat. Otherwise, we're all going to die. They paint the picture of what they believe. They believe they're going to die. This is not... This is not being sarcastic. This was what they believed. But then verse 26, Jesus speaks these words. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Understand something here. The disciples did not expect Jesus to calm the storm. They expected Jesus to help them in the midst of the storm. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, oftentimes we expect Jesus to help us to endure, but Jesus looks at us and says, Oh, you of little faith, I haven't just come to help you in the midst of of the storm, I've come to help deliver you from the storm. Jesus says, my presence alone should be enough for you in the midst of it. I will not be conquered by the things of this world. I will not be conquered by a storm in your life. I am greater, you of little faith. But Jesus shocks them. He destroys the storm. He speaks and it no longer exists. This isn't the dying down of a storm that we so often picture, right? We know the end of a storm. It looks great, like the storm, for those of you who love storms and you watch them, you have this massive torrential downpour in the middle, and then the rain begins to subside, and then you have moments of peace and calm, and then the rain comes, and then peace and calm, and then like the shadows slowly depart, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like that's the ending of a storm, but that's not what happens here in this moment. What happens in this moment is the disciples go from I'm going to die to laying in Adirondack chairs enjoying the moon. That's what happens in this moment. Jesus doesn't speak and the storm begins to subside. Jesus speaks and the storm is gone. Oh, you of little faith, if even the winds and the waves obey him, I assure you that he holds you where you are, that he can give you the strength to endure what you are walking through, but he also has the power and authority to deliver you from what you are walking through. We have to reach a point in our understanding that we should have faith that in the storms, Jesus is with us, and therefore, they will not overcome us. 
You know, we hear things and we go, now listen, like this is, I have to get real here for a moment. Because we, we know stories, right? We know stories where like things just keep piling on and piling on and things get worse. Someone dies, right? These are things that you know Christians walk through. But for a Christian, there is no defeat. One day I will die and I will be living victoriously in heaven. There is nothing that will ever overcome me because there is nothing that will ever overcome Jesus. Your perspective on your life has to change, and that's what faith is. It says, I believe that my God can. I believe that my God will. But even if he doesn't, I trust that he knows what's best. And so my faith in the midst of a storm believes that my God will empower me to endure in the midst of it. My faith in the midst of a storm is that God will deliver me from it. And my faith in the midst of the storm says, and even if I do get taken, I still believe that I am victorious because I am. I might not see it. I might not understand how it is even possible. Listen, the disciples didn't believe that Jesus could do it, but he could, and he did. They didn't know how it was possible. I assure you, a word from Jesus can destroy any storm in your life at any moment. Continue to believe. Your storm is nothing in comparison to the might of our God. Put your faith in Jesus. Believe that he can protect you in the storm and also deliver you from it. Jacob, can you throw up that next slide? Faith trusts in protection and believes in deliverance. Listen, that word deliverance, you have to know what that means for you, right? For some of you, that's breakthrough for something that you've prayed for for years. For some of you, that deliverance is the salvation of a loved one. For some of you, that deliverance is you're walking through a difficult season at your job or in school and believing that God's going to help you get through it, but also deliver you from it. You have to fill in the blank for your life. My question for you today, though, is what storm are you in right now, mentally, physically, emotionally? What storm are you in? You know, this morning I, uh, I was texting Julie there for a bit. Now I feel overwhelmed right now. I got so many things flying through my head. And I'm just like, I, I don't even know. I don't even know. Now, I think I, I, I skipped pre-service. Pr- I normally would pray with everybody. I just, pr- I just prayed by my, I just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed because I'm just overwhelmed. What storm are you in right now? What are the things that you are struggling to believe that God can empower you or help you to endure or get through? Where, where I mean, what is it? What, what do you need from God this morning? Worship team, can you come this morning? 
And my next question, and this, this is the question, right? This is the question when it comes to faith. What is holding you back from believing that God can protect and God can deliver in the midst of what you are facing? See, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go into my exhaustive list of things that are overwhelming me right now. But I look at a couple of different things. I'm going to switch microphones. I look at a couple of different things. And I just think to myself, I don't know how. I don't know how. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, as, a, as a pastor, oftentimes people look at the pastor and they go, man, he just, he has the greatest faith. Faith is being assured of what I hope for and certain of what I do not see. If you expect your pastor to be the one who says, this is how God will do it, I assure you, that's not what faith is. You might be speaking prophetically in that moment, and I believe there are some things that I have spoken, and those who attend Wednesday night, you know I've prayed prophetically over specific things that have just been overwhelming me. But I don't have to know how he will do it to believe that he will. What God asks me to do is to come to him in prayer, and believe that he will. That's what he asks. He doesn't say, tell me the recipe for fixing your problems, Jonathan. Right? He doesn't come at you and say, hey, Bob, tell me exactly what you need me to do. He says, give me the storm and trust me with it. For those who struggle with control, this isn't fun. Because we go, well, I want to know how, I want to know what, I want I want to know all of it. That's not what faith is. Faith says, I trust that he will protect me, and I trust that he will deliver me. Even though I cannot see, I choose to believe. And that is faith. So they're going to sing a song in closing this morning. And my encouragement to you this morning is this. The first thing I want you to do is just take a minute, and I want you to just pray about the storm. And I mean list it. <laughs> just come to God and say, God, I got this problem, and 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 this problem. And you listen. I don't know how long your list is. If it's longer than a minute, then you keep going. You don't stop. You give him every aspect of the storm. He didn't just calm the rain. He didn't just stop the wind. He stilled the waves as well. You give him every aspect of your storm. And then you begin to pray, okay, Jesus, I need you to do something about it. 
I feel like I'm going to drown here. I'm overwhelmed. I'm outmatched. I'm unqualified. I need you to do something, anything, to change what I see before me. So I'm going to pray. And then you give God your storm. And then you pray in faith, believing that he will deliver you from it and protect you as you wait. The altars are open. And if you want prayer for a specific thing, you can come find me and I'll pray with you. But this is, this is a day where it's just every aspect of this altar is kind of private. And if you want somebody to pray with you, you just look around and you say, I need you to pray for me today. This is not a day to be shy. This is a day to say, I am sick and tired of my storm and feeling like I'm alone. I need you to pray for me. And I'm going to believe in faith with you. And you're going to believe in faith with me that we're going to see breakthrough. We're going to see deliverance. And my life will become a testimony of the power and authority that Jesus Christ still has on this earth because he is not done moving amongst his people. Jesus, I pray today that God, as we surrender our storms to you, God giving you our wind, our waves, our rain, God giving you every aspect of our life that overwhelms us. Jesus, I pray that as we surrender it to you, God, that you would usher in a peace that surpasses understanding that you will protect in the midst of the storm. But God, I then pray that you would help us to pray in faith. Would you help our unbelief, God, in this moment to believe that you will deliver us from this storm, that you will bring breakthrough, that you will bring change. And God, may we live in faith every day saying, no matter when it comes or even if it doesn't come, I will live my life in victory because the faith that I have in Jesus Christ says that I am victorious no matter what. So Jesus, we give you this time. We give you our storm. Amen.